my name is Jada. One day I said to my mom, Mom, what's going on Mark chapter 10 about divorce? And then she went and told Shane Dirk. So now I'm here making a video asking for a sermon about Mark chapter 10. Today's Bible reading is from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. From there, he got up and went into the mountain regions of Judea across the Jordan. But the crowds again gathered around Jesus and... As was his custom, he began to teach them once more. When the Pharisees arrived, they questioned him about whether it was lawful for a husband to divorce his wife. In reply, he said, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted the husband to write a certificate of divorce and divorce her. But Jesus said to them, He wrote this command because of the hardness of your hearts. From the beginning of creation, he created them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and his father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Therefore, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What, then, God has joined together, let no one separate. At the house, his disciples questioned him again about this, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery with her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, then she herself commits adultery. Jada, thanks so much for the question. And it's wonderful to be able to jump into Mark's gospel and see what God's got to say to us on this issue of divorce, which I know for so many of us uh, is confronting and challenging. You might think, where's this going to go? And so what I've decided this morning is to start at the end. So here are some conclusions that I'm going to come to this morning. Uh, some might be surprising to you, and I'll do my best to justify them as we go. But here's what I think we want to say this morning. Divorce is part of God's good law. And so divorce is from God. And if divorce is from God, then divorce is good. As part of God's law, divorce comes with celebration and tears because the law reveals God's heart and it also reveals something of ours. Next, divorce cannot end a marriage. And finally, divorce declares a marriage has ended. So how do we justify some of the conclusions I've just come to? Well, let me jump in at Jada's request and see what we can do with Mark chapter 10 from verses 1 to 12. Now, of course, as you come to this passage, you must realize that this is a political minefield, not just for us today, but of course for Jesus as he encountered these Pharisees. Uh, moving through this region of Judea, he encounters Pharisees who come to him. Now it's dropped out of our translation here in verse 2, but the Pharisees as they come ask their question in a very different way to what Jada did. They didn't come to learn. In fact, the word that's dropped out here is that they've come to test. The Pharisees have come to Jesus. Now, these are men we have met previously in Mark's gospel back in chapter 7. Jesus has labeled them hypocrites. And Mark has also noted for us that these are men who are very much committed to the tradition of their eldership. When they come to Jesus to test him, we also know that they are very much against Jesus. They'd like to see him killed and they're looking for an opportunity. So as they come to Jesus and ask this question, which we're all interested in, their question is, is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They know that this is a debated issue in their time. 
In fact, amongst the elders of the, the Pharisaic tradition are Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai. And these two giants of, of, of Hebrew scholarship have different views. Uh, Rabbi Hillel advocated for the any cause divorce. A man could simply write his wife a divorce certificate and send her away for any cause. Shammai had a more conservative view. Now these Pharisees who fear the support that Jesus has from the people have strategically come to test him. And by asking him a question that they know divides some of the people, there's an opportunity to split those who would support him. And so their question isn't just one that's simply a theological uh, learning opportunity. It's one that has an agenda. These hypocrites who honor God with their lips, these men who seek to end Jesus, come to test him with a question that will see his support base divided. Jesus once again sees them coming. And rather than give a straight answer of what he thinks, he encourages them, rather than to submit themselves to the traditions of the elders, be that Rabbi Hillel or Rabbi Shammai, he says to them, what did Moses say? Essentially what Jesus is saying is, what has God said? Jesus moves the question from one that is political to one that is theological. One that seeks not the opinion of people, but the opinion of God. This morning, friends, as we go into a question that is challenging and has implications for many of the things that we do and think together, I'm going to take the same approach. My approach will be to say, what does God say about this rather than what does politics say about this? And so Jesus asks, well, what did Moses say? What does God say? Well, verse 4, they reply, Moses permitted the husband to write a certificate of divorce and to divorce her. So immediately, we learn one of our conclusions is correct. Moses had said to the people that divorce was permissible. Moses, the giver of God's law, has given divorce as part of God's law. And so divorce is part of God's law, and God's law is always good. Now, God's law comes to us in a way that will induce celebration as we see something of God, but it also reveals something of us that can cause tears. And this is what Jesus speaks to in verse 5. Jesus goes on and says, Yes, Moses gave you this law from God. He wrote this command because of the hardness of your hearts. So Jesus teaches that divorce comes from God. It reveals something of God's heart, which we'll see a little bit later, but it also reveals something of the human condition, as the law always does. And Jesus says, it reveals that there's a problem with the human heart, that your hearts were hard. There's a problem with the human heart, even when the heart's in love, that sometimes it can turn hard, that because it has a proclivity to sin, Sometimes it lets other people down. Sometimes something goes wrong. And as Jesus declares this, now he finds himself not endorsing Hillel, not endorsing Shammai, endorsing God and even speaking against Australian culture. Because right now Jesus has spoken against another name, Murphy, Justice Lionel Murphy, who led Australia in 1975 
to the Family Law Act and the no-fault divorce. Since 1975 in Australia, there's been the opportunity to divorce with no fault declared. But Jesus says that's not the case. No, when there's divorce, when there's God's law, it reveals something of the human heart. And Jesus says it will reveal that something has gone wrong. So what have we learned so far? Divorce is part of God's law. Divorce is from God. Divorce is good. Divorce will tell us something about God's heart and it's already from Jesus told us that it declares there might just be a problem. In fact, there is a problem with the human heart. But to understand this further, we've got to understand what marriage is as God understands marriage, as Jesus explains marriage. And so to help these Pharisees, to help his disciples and to help us, Jesus explains what God had in mind when he created marriage. And so we ask ourselves, what is this thing called marriage? Well, marriage is kind of like setting up a house. In fact, it's very much like setting up a house. It's a space for two people to exist in safety, where they are together, where the outside is the outside and they will be the inside. And so to try and understand what marriage is, I'm going to talk us through with Jesus four commitments. I'm going to shape it like building a house, building a safe place to form a relationship together. What does Jesus say a marriage is like? Well, in verse 6, he says this. From the beginning of creation, God created them male and female. The first thing that Jesus wants us to understand about marriage is it's based on complementary gender. It is a space where God affirms here, and again, this is politically challenging for some today, that gender is binary. There are males and there are females. There is no fluidity. There is male and there is female. And what Jesus says is that a marriage exists or a marriage can exist when these genders are complementary, when there is a male and there is a female. So once again, Jesus finds himself challenging Australian law, where since 2017, same-sex marriage has been legal in Australia. Jesus says that's not God's design. God's design for marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, I know this is challenging, and I know as you listen to this, you might have friends, you might be someone who is in a same-sex relationship or even in a same-sex marriage. I'm going to ask you to stay with me because there's much wisdom as God reveals his heart for you as well. The first thing Jesus teaches us, that when building a marriage, it's built on complementary gender. The next thing Jesus says is in verse 7. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united with his wife. And here we learn the next part of the four essential elements of a marriage, that marriage is an exclusive relationship. Now, something I always say when I uh, marry people is I assure everyone in the congregation that the best that they can hope for in these, this couple's life is the bronze medal. Because the couple standing before us, the gold medal, who will come first for them? Jesus. Who will come second for them? One another. So all of us, we can compete for third place and never hope to do better. The reason being is when we marry people, we ask them if they would like to be in this kind of exclusive relationship. And these are the words we use. 
First, we ask the intended groom, will you take this woman to be your wife, to live together according to God's law? Will you give her the honor due to her as your wife and forsaking all others, love and protect her as long as you both shall live? And the man responds, I will. We then ask the same question of the woman. A marriage relationship is one where we promise to be committed to the other and forsaking all others. It's an exclusive relationship. Jesus says at this point, a man will leave his family of origin and be united to his wife. The relationship's an exclusive one. We are given to one another and therefore cannot be given away again. If we are given to another, then that excludes us from entering into any other kind of relationship of the same type. Marriage is always exclusive. The next thing Jesus teaches us about marriage is that in a marriage, a couple is united. Once again, Jesus says in verses, verse 7, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and, and he will be united to his wife. The concept here is that we are given to one another. Marriage is based on mutual submission and mutual surrender. That the husband gives himself to the wife and the wife gives herself to the husband. Again, as we read in those words of consent, will you live together according to God's law? Will you give to the other honor? Will you give to the other love? Will you give to the other protection? Will you be for them? Will you be united in this way? This is the consent we ask for because marriage is to be complementary, it's to be exclusive, and it's to be unified. Finally, Jesus teaches that marriage is also to be lifelong. Hear these words, he says, from verse 8. And the two will become one flesh. Therefore, they are no longer two, but one. What then God has joined together, let no one separate. Now this is like a new body. Now you, you may not remember, as I don't remember, but all of us in our mother's womb, are, are, we have a body that comes together. And how many bodies do we get in life? We get one. What Jesus is saying here is in the marriage relationship, it's like a new body, a one flesh relationship comes about. And this will be the one body for life. This will be where you will reside. This will be the body that you exist in. Marriage is a lifelong commitment. It's till death do you pass. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, Therefore, what God has joined together, this new body, let no one separate. Now it's important to understand what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, let no one separate. This is a command. It's not a statement of possibility. That is, Jesus is saying no one should separate. He's not saying it can't be separated. And so Jesus has explained for us what a marriage is. It's a relationship that brings in these two people with complementary gender they are exclusive to one another they are united for one another and they are doing this for life and this is what seals them in for their relationship this now sets us up to understand the question that the pharisees have asked 
and what a divorce actually is. So the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? They understood that a man could simply give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus explains later to his disciples that this is not the case. Let me read to you from verse 10. At the house, Jesus' disciples questioned him again about this. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery with her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, then she herself commits adultery. What is Jesus saying here? What Jesus is saying is that just as a marriage brings us into this house-shaped, this four-tiered situation that binds us together where we're given to one another and in one flesh, Jesus is saying a divorce or a divorce certificate does not have the power to separate that one flesh relationship. It does not have the power to break a marriage. So Jesus is saying to his disciples that no, it is not valid to simply give a certificate, say, well, we're divorced, we're out of this now, and send the other away. For to do that and to start a new relationship would, to start, would be to start a new relationship whilst still bound by the marriage. What is the conclusion? Divorce cannot end a marriage. One would be still bound Divorce can't break a marriage, but divorce does declare that a marriage is broken. So divorce can't end a marriage, but divorce declares that a marriage has ended. Now this is kind of complicated, so let me work through some examples and see if I can explain myself a little bit more uh, accurately. Let's explore what divorce does. Let's explore how it works and what it shows of God's heart and what it might show of ours. Let's consider marriage once again. Complementary, exclusive, unified and lifelong. What do we do if one of the four key elements of a marriage is endangered or even broken. Same thing you would do if your floor, your walls, or the roof of your house was broken. Seek to repair it. The first step is to seek repair. And so what do we do if we find ourselves in a marriage where the genders are non-complementary, where it's a same-sex marriage? Unfortunately, this situation is quite different to the three others that I'm going to visit. You see, there's no way to actually repair this situation. Under God's law, there's no way for a same-sex marriage to be a not broken marriage. Under God's law, there's no way for a same-sex marriage to be what God intends of marriage. I want to show you now how God's heart is reflected in his law. Whilst God's law calls for repentance of a same-sex marriage, it doesn't call for condemnation. God has offered divorce as part of his law. And he says, now, if you find yourself in this marriage situation, here he's called to repent, to divorce, 
and be released to start anew, to be set free and no longer bound to a marriage that in, under his law is not valid. Now, I just can't even imagine how difficult those words must be to hear for some. And if you're still listening, I want to encourage you, if you're not persuaded by what I've presented to you, I respect that and let me encourage you that if you're not persuaded to still see the wisdom of God, who if you do decide to stay in your same-sex relationship, well then take God's wisdom, be exclusive, be lifelong, make that commitment, and be unified, be for the other and given. But I do remind you that if your desire is to follow God's will for your life, then his call is for repentance, to leave the relationship, and to accept his grace and his offer to start again with no condemnation and to have a valid divorce. Sometimes marriages can go wrong in another way. Uh, probably one of the ways, in fact this was what Rabbi Shammai advocated for, is when the exclusivity might be lost in a marriage. This is where an inappropriate extramarital relationship may eventuate. These might be sexual, these might not be sexual. But this is a time where some of the promises that have made of being exclusive for one another have been violated. And someone in the marriage, or maybe both people in the marriage, have stepped out of the exclusive space that they have committed to one another. What should we do? Well, just like if the roof of your house had damage, you don't simply move house. The idea is to seek reparation to fix things up unfortunately sometimes despite the best efforts to fix things it might not be possible to fix things perhaps our uh, one partner has had an extramarital affair entered into a new relationship and has no desire to return we then ask ourselves the question what should happen to that marriage should people be bound to a marriage promise that is now broken and here is where we see God's law show something of our hearts and show much of his heart. God's law right now would say, yes, something is broken. There is hard-heartedness. Someone has broken the promises of exclusivity in marriage. But God's gracious and redeeming and rescuing heart is also revealed because he does not say, stay in this marriage he says, because this marriage is broken. Now remember, divorce can't break a marriage. But divorce declares when a marriage is broken. At this point, if it is not possible to restore the exclusivity to this marriage, then God has graciously granted divorce as a space to declare we are broken as a space to declare that God's heart is gracious and he sets us free to a new day and not to be bound to something that is broken. The same can be said for perhaps when unity is broken in a marriage and we should pause here because I suspect sometimes this has been missed. What happens if one of the walls falls out of your house? Do you just move house? No. You seek repair. You seek repair. Sometimes in a marriage, unity can be lost. Sometimes there are cases of neglect. 
sometimes there are cases of tragic abuse, horrible, sinful abuse. We need to pause here. Sometimes our fear of what divorce means means that people have been encouraged to stay in situations that are unsafe, that are not pleasing to God, and that are certainly not true of what marriage is meant to be. In the space of neglect, in the space of abuse, what should happen? Well, perhaps a long and difficult process to seek repairing. That's the first port of call. Sadly, friends, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes damage is so significantly done. Sometimes trust is so broken. Sometimes character traits emerge that would mean that it's unsafe to continue in this situation. What does God say? God's law declares that there's brokenness in the heart of humanity at this point, And God's law declares that there is grace in his. And he does not call for someone to stay in this broken situation. If reconciliation and repair is not possible, then God who is gracious, God who is a God of redemption, God who is a God of fresh starts, has provided divorce. That people might be set free. That perhaps victims of abuse might be set free to be safe. That perpetrators of abuse might be set free to seek the counselling, to seek the personal rebuilding that is required before they would give their dangerous self to another. God's heart is shown in divorce. His heart that is gracious, his heart that sets people free to start again. Sometimes the lifelong union of marriage can be broken through abandonment. Perhaps one leaves the other. What would we do? We seek repair. There is appeal to return. There is an appeal to restore this marriage. But what do we do if that's not available? What do we do if someone abandons a marriage and refuses to return? Should the partner left behind be bound to this marriage? Once again, God's law reveals something of the human heart and something of God's heart. That there is hard-heartedness, that someone, maybe both, need to repent in this situation. But God's heart that is always gracious, that always seeks to bring fresh starts, that always seeks to redeem, his heart is seen as well. And despite the sadness of the situation, God doesn't see condemnation. Divorce is a possibility here where people can be set free to start again, to begin life again. Brothers and sisters, it's been a challenge this morning to take on a question that was designed by Pharisees to get Jesus killed. And I speak to you this morning, I feel tremendously inadequate to speak to every circumstance that might be before us. But what I know to be true is this. That divorce is part of God's law. And as part of God's law, it is good. As part of God's law, it will bring tears as we see the sad state of our human heart. As we see the tragedy of hard-heartedness. God says he hates divorce. What God is saying is he hates it when our hard hearts break relationship. There is also reason for celebration. Because in divorce, 
God's law once again shows that God is a God of fresh starts, of new beginnings, of grace and redemption, and not of condemnation. Isn't this true of what Jesus teaches us on the cross? When Jesus goes to the cross and fulfills the law, he once again shows us the heart of God. That God is a God who wants to show us your hearts are broken, your hearts are damaged. And God is a God who wants to show us, but my heart is gracious and doesn't seek to condemn your broken heart. My heart seeks to rescue your hearts. And so whilst divorce will always come with tears, a valid divorce also comes with celebration. For this is a gracious God demonstrating that there are always fresh starts. And so I conclude, divorce is part of God's law. It's from God, and so it is good. It comes with celebration and tears as it reveals something of God's heart and it reveals something of ours. Divorce cannot end a marriage, but divorce declares when a marriage has ended and sets about a new day where God's people may start again repentance and forgiven because Jesus Christ has made it so. Let me pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that by suffering and giving his life on the cross, he has fulfilled the law, that he has once again shown us that there is a significant problem with the human heart, that we are a hard-hearted and broken people, and sometimes that manifests in our marriages. Father, we thank you for Jesus that at the cross and at his resurrection, he has revealed something of your hearts, that in the face of human hard-heartedness, you are gracious and kind and set us free to new beginnings. And so, Lord God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, we will be wise in understanding your grace. Let us be a people who aren't fearful of interrogating where our hearts are hard. Lord God, we pray that we would not be silly enough to believe things like no-fault divorce. Lord God, let us not be scared to find out where our faults are, whether that's in our marriage or other places. May your Holy Spirit search us, know us, and convict us of our sin. Not that we might be condemned, but that we might turn to you, the God whose heart is gracious and kind and sets us free. Father God, in Jesus, whether it be a broken marriage, any other broken relationship, or any other kind of sin, you have given us the promise of a fresh start, a new day, and no condemnation for those who are in him. Lord God, for everybody who aches and hurts over this particular issue now, I pray your comfort for them. I pray your spirit be with them, and I pray the freedom that is in Christ Jesus for them too. In his name we pray. Amen. <music>